Hello, and welcome to the Marvel Snow Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today, we are talking about our favourite action films. Uh, not necessarily superhero or comic book or Marvel or whatever that we usually do. Just mm-hmm. the genre of action um, and what we really love in the genre. Um, but first, we do have an Instagram account to plug in. Be like, ooh, because we're all multimedia stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We're clever. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're cool. Um, we have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast where we do daily reviews and weekly podcasts that come out on Monday. Uh, also, we have a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous where we do pretty much the same thing daily reviews, weekly podcasts that come out on Monday. So, yeah, give us a follow there. On this podcast, maybe give us a review or a like, whatever you can do. Um, probably, you know, constructive criticism will be helpful. <laughs> um, we love it. We yeah, love to see it. We love it. Um, but yeah, just interact, follow, whatever, have fun of it. Be be like wacky, you know, be wacky. Do you think you don't usually yeah, do? Be creative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, today we're doing our favourite action films. Uh, so Matthew, do you want to take us off? Um, so first I just wanted to uh, sort of cover... With my list, sort of the things that I've included. So I've, I, I, like I said, I sort of, I've not gone for comic book films mm-hmm. or Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't know whether and I was the line was a bit funny because when I was talking to action films with somebody, they suggested Indiana Jones. Mm, yeah. I decided to not include that because I, I, I think it was weird. I felt like it's more of an adventure film. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's less. It's less like, I, don't, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right off the bat, mm-hmm. what do we think are the most important aspects of action films? Um, I think for me it's it's kind of a thing where the action can't just be stapled onto it. Um, mm-hmm. There are plenty of action films that kind of, kind of go into, fade into memory that were... Seem like they were just films where there's a good script and a good story or whatever, and then at some point, action kind of just interrupts that story. Um, I think you can feel it sometimes in the, like some big blockbusters where you're kind of like you disengage for a bit until you come back to the actual conversations. <laughs> um, mm. So I think that's probably an element that I look like look towards, like an action movie that is made to be an action movie that makes sense. Um, plus, it's just nice to have. A director who is really good at escalating like problems and not just Michael Bay like Michael Bay like flash and like big explosions and colors and all that and it's there's certainly a charm about that but I do enjoy more so uh kind of uh you know like a truck chase or whatever it may be that is like a I think the principle that people talk about is like an and then principle where it's kind of like this thing happens and then the next problem is this thing happens um and i always really enjoy that so i guess that's two aspects to me that i always like look towards as like a great action film um mm-hmm. or what do you say it's a thing um i'd say something along similar lines i think you've got the idea that like you said that it's not just they've got a story and a, and a plot and they're just throwing the action in mm-hmm. also on the flip side not just action for the sake of it. Yeah. 
Like so they, they've got to be got to be blended. I think there's got to be something pushing the action forward. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we stand on kinds of effects? Because obviously, people like I, I in action films, it's always a kind of oh wow when something is done practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of a big deal. And while I do, I do really appreciate CGI, and I think you know a lot of people do some great work on it. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people who should be considered artists <laughs> yeah. who are sometimes, you know, overlooked because people just dismiss something as, as, as CGI when that's incredibly unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something satisfying about seeing an actual truck flip. <laughs> yeah, the Dark Knight is a, <laughs> is a pretty good example of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it isn't very good for other action films because, you know, once you've seen that truck flip, how are you going to do your own? Yeah, I mean, you just can't. Every 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 time, every audience member is going, "Oh, that was cool," but do you remember the Dark Knight one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I saw like a a truck flip, and I realized that it was like post two thousand eight Dark Knight, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's ballsy. That's like <laughs> you made a choice there doing a truck flip after the Dark Knight." Um, but pre Dark Knight, every superhero film has some sort of truck flip. Every single mm. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's sort of standard. I mean, I, I noticed where you said no comic, or we sort of shying away from comic books, but that's like, probably the best example of a practical effect. There is another one I can think of which does kind of come in to one of my films, so I'm not going to mention it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Shall I? Do you want to start with your first one? Yeah, I can do. Um... Okay, so my my first action film that I is one of my favorites up there, and I always rewatch it all the time. It's probably I don't know. It's weird because it's it's a blockbuster. It was a big movie when it came out, but it's maybe faded away into like obscurity a bit. Um, I want to say The Mask of Zorro. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, I hadn't watched this film at least like as in like a conscious adult. Not adult. I'm a young. I'm a. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> a conscious human being um, until like two years ago, maybe. And mm. this film came out in the '90s. It is kind of a, a modern reboot of the Zorro 1940s kind of films. Um, it stars Antonio Banderas, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, I think. Yeah, that's her. Um, and Anthony Hopkins. And that's always the one that that blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah um, and it's just it's directed by that guy that made Casino Royale and GoldenEye um, so he's a really weirdly good director at only some very specific movies um, mm-hmm. he's good at rebooting Bond and he's good at rebooting Zorro and that seems to be his entire career as high points <laughs> um, it's really weird <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this film is I think it's incredible like throughout the entire thing um, mm-hmm. it's co-written at least by the people that made Pirates of the Caribbean the first three films um, is it? yeah Terry Ross- Rossio and something else the other, the other guy I can't remember his name but yeah. they write when they get the chance to write their like interpretation of the story they go like full on just we're going to make a three hour epic not just a blockbuster we're going to make an epic um, which you can definitely see in the Pirates film especially as they go to the third mm-hmm. film um, and this this film is just 
it starts out with like this amazing prologue where Anthony Hopkins is the Zorro from the past, the kind of like the Zorro from the nineteen forties, fifties, and mm-hmm. he's it's weird as well because it's Anthony Hopkins, not old old like he would might say he is now, but like he's still like fifty six, maybe sixty years old, um, and he's wearing like a, a like a skin tight like black outfit and jumping across rooftops, and the thing is. It totally works. I don't know how. It just totally... I just believe it. Um, but... And also this film is filled with some really impressive, like, choreography and action beats where I think it's kind of a... I think it's probably, like, a generic thing to say, but there is kind of a disconnect thing where you just have a lot of CGI kind of things happening at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, a really big example lately in my mind is probably X-Men Apocalypse. Um, which is, yeah. it's a weird movie where it's like they turn the franchise for this this one time just into like a disaster movie, where every mm-hmm. every bridge that like you see in the opera house gets destroyed. You know why are we doing this again? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and there's something somewhat numbing about stuff like that and the over the top nature of stuff like that. And there is a lot of wow and a lot of wow factor and the X factor, I guess, of just cgi being used really well but there's something still incredible about antonio banderas riding like two horses with two swords doing it for like real at least it's like stuntman is doing it for real and there's this one move that is imprinted on my mind forever where antonio banderas or the stuntman um he's on the horse and he like he kind of midway through riding the horse gets like off on the side and so he's like hanging on but there's another guy in a horse coming next to him. And then from this, the stuntman just lets his feet hit the floor for like a millisecond. And this, the energy from him hitting the floor for a millisecond on his feet propels him to do an entire 360 like front flip. And then he just lands on the other guy's horse at the back and then just punches him off it. And it's one of, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in, in a movie. <laughs> it's really like just the best thing. And... The movie is filled with just incredible moments of choreography and comedic timing and genuinely impressive stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, it's like like a two and a half hour full on like character journey epic where our main character goes from being a really like rough kind of homeless guy who's a, a robber to trained by the superhero of his age, I guess, <laughs> um, Zorro. And he goes from, like, a guy who can barely shoot a gun to a guy who can do what I just said. Like, <laughs> um, the, the whole arc there is, like, a precursor to, like, all of the superhero origin films we've ever gotten. Like, it, it's, you know, it is um, it is a movie about a guy who has no skills and then learning those skills. And then through learning those skills, he becomes a better human being. Um, and it's just... It's still to this day like, an incredible film, and I think it's. It also I didn't even realize realize until like I actually saw like a video essay about the film, mm-hmm. where the explosion effects have um, in layers within them with like in the sound design. It's not only the sound of the explosion, but they mix inside of it the sound of like a, a lion roaring. <laughs> so you have like, and I can't unhear it now whenever an explosion happens in that film because. You just hear an explosion and then midway through like a tiger just roaring out of nowhere and it makes no sense but it totally works <laughs> um, 
And yeah, I love this film so much. And have you seen it at all? I've seen bits of it. Mm-hmm. Never seen the whole thing, I don't think. Yeah. Is it... Um, I just I just seem to remember one of the main things I remember is Anthony Hopkins with some suspicious looking fake tunnel. <laughs> yeah, every every character is just the most tanned in that film, and Anthony Hopkins. Knowing Anthony Hopkins as he is usually, <laughs> you can definitely feel like, oh, he's not, he's not in this place doing this. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I wish people kept on talking about it the same way people talk about like the other great action films, which we'll probably get to. But it just kind of hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion, because it's still it's one of the best. And the annoyingly, they didn't make a terrible really awful sequel i think called uh the legend of zorro maybe um it came out way too late it came out like 10 years later it was just cartoony but not in the right ways um it kind of has that crystal skull thing where it's you kind of forgot what made the the movie good to begin with (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah i would recommend going past the first movie of this the new reboot but this first one and this reboot is incredible and i just just watch it it's probably on netflix i think um but yeah that's my first one mm-hmm. so the one today yeah so the one you're talking about is mask of zorro yeah the mask of zorro yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i was gonna say i'm just i've just just been checking in there the i remember the, the other one is uh written by jj abrams mates what really <laughs> yeah the legend of zorro is written by i need i need the names in front of me though i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation <laughs> Roberto Orchi and Alex Kurtzman. Wow. They are everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. They're on good things and bad things. Yeah, like, they did make some good things and then they make some really terrible things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just uh, just a reference, I clicked on Alex Kurtzman here. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> The Mummy. Yeah. <laughs> directed by Alex Kurtzman. Yeah, one of those films. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery, which people yeah, people. Like I don't that. know whether people like that or not. I think people do, but it's like one of those Last Jedi things where the hardcore fans really hate it because it's different. Mm-hmm. I think it's that, that sounds thing. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's my first one. Um. Should we move on to one of mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my first one I've got on my list is I feel like I sometimes forget about it and then I remember and then I like see a clip from and I just remember how just how good it is. <laughs> and that is Hot Fuzz. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> what a film this is. This is probably I know there are obviously opinions going around that out, out there, but I would say this is probably my favourite from the Corner Co trilogy. I would agree, yeah. Um, it's got that sort of. Do you, you ever play the? Um, I think it was the PS3, um, Max Payne game. Oh yeah, yeah, I played that. You know, you know where you can leap and shoot in slow motion. <laughs> yeah, it's the Matrix, but in a video game. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got that aspect where you have you have people diving about and shooting in sort of the second half of it, or maybe the final third of it, because up to that point it's like this well constructed, sort of. Maybe action esque world, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it just goes all out bananas at the end with shotguns and sunglasses and <laughs> and 
as well just just it's one where action, action comedy can be it can be a dangerous game mm-hmm. yeah it can go terribly wrong mm-hmm. and you can you, you, you can end up with a pretty horrendous film yeah uh, this is probably the best example of it good it done right yeah um because you have there are so many little jokes of this which <laughs> always make me laugh like, I remember there's the guy with the bomb in his shed <laughs> yeah, and they can't they can't tell what he's saying. Um, one of the ones I saw recently was I think it's outside of a pub, and he he goes to um um Simon Simon Pegg's character goes up to one of the, some young hoodlums outside mm-hmm. and asks for ID or something. Or, or no, he says he says something like something like um what's your birthday? And the guy says something like 12th of May. And he says, what year? And he responds, every year. <laughs> uh, Which, you know, it's the fact that it's got comedy and action running throughout it. And another one that I always remember, I don't know why it makes me funny, well, it makes me laugh even, but I think it's probably because I went to a Catholic school. But during the shootout, um, they get shot out by um, a, a priest or a vicar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they shoot him in the leg or something, and he just shouts out "Jesus Christ." <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, it's just one of those films where the comedy's running running completely throughout it, and it's just so well inter- intertwined with the action aspects and the story of it, and it's just it's thoroughly enjoyable as well as having this sort of heartfelt buddy comedy aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's clearly obviously inspired by a lot of action films. You even have like the um Simon not Simon Pedd, Nick Frost's character has the DVD collection, is watching Point Break. <laughs> Bad boys too. Point. Yeah. Um and it's just it has a level of charm to it which not a lot of other action films do have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um as well as the just all out thoroughly enjoyable action sequences. So yeah, it's one of the one of the films that I forget about every now and then that I'm reminded of and I think, God, that's a good film. <laughs> yeah, it has that um especially in the Cornetta trilogy, that Edgar, Edgar Wright kind of idiosyncratic Adrian that gets set up, gets paid off, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that entire film that that entire first hour is you may know, you probably don't even realise when you first time you watch it. It's just entirely like the setups on top of setups. Um and it all gets, I mean, that third act is, I think, generally one of the best third acts ever. I just think it's mm-hmm. it's genius because it's so, uh, like, subconsciously set up. And then when it happens, it's kind of like, holy shit, they're doing it. And the entire genre just turns on its head. Um, and I love the fact that visually Edgar Wright was like, well, Michael Bay loves doing like hyper glossy, hyper fast cutting, hyper just kinetic moving in the camera around kind of action scenes. And then the way he starts the movie kind of puts that style on top of like paperwork. So mm-hmm. like whenever they do paperwork for um, any people that are getting arrested, it has this like a rock song playing of like really like over the top blue colours and orange lights and it's just like a camera that's just frenetic that's rolling around and it's just amazing. And then you get to that last sequence where they finally put that style on top of um, like an actual action sequence in the middle of this little town. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it has that thing where it's... And also the thing is, I think it's probably like a weirdly uh, perfecting of Michael Bay's style because 
Edgar Wright re, uh, uh, redoes his style, but better. <laughs> like, at least more coherent. Um, like, it's still, like, messy, like, frenetic cutting, and uh, the camera's moving around, and everything, like, the camera's always spinning around the characters whilst they get up. Like, there's that, there's that shot where Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, like, stand up, and they do the, the Bad Boys 2, like, spinning around uh, shot. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way... <laughs> and I also love the fact that the Samazine is... Sam, uh, Simon Pegg's voice is, like, turned up to, like, 11 in, like, the last <laughs> the last third of the movie. Like, he has, like, a an idiot, uh, ADR voice the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautiful. Um, God, that that's a perfect film, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. It is an incredible one. Uh, have you got have you got another one you want to move on to? Uh, yeah. So my next one, um, I actually mentioned this in the review that we did. Uh, that is in my top five action films. Um, probably uh, Die Hard, uh, mm-hmm. a film which is again I would say probably like really almost like just near perfection in terms of film ever made. Um, mm-hmm. Directed by John McTiernan. Um, he was a great acting director who I think went to prison for a little bit. Um, really? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember why, so I don't want to get into it. But <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but oh, yeah. Um, but this film is like just a beast throughout the entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we've all, I think, from this film, we've all kind of gotten used to the idea of an action film where a person is stuck in one location, um, mm-hmm. and we kind of just, oh yeah, it's that that trope, but probably Die Hard is probably the best example. But I don't think people realise how much this film is also a really, really good like story throughout the entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. And not just an excuse to have this premise be done really like pretty well. Um, so like I think that I still think that like that first like fifteen to twenty minutes is probably like, one of the best opening acts I've ever seen in a movie. Um where it's all kind of from the perspective of John McClane mm-hmm. and it's him kind of going up the elevator and all this other things and we kind of understand the relationship between him and his wife just purely through him typing in her name to the computer. Um, and there's so many different, really like slow paced but beautifully like shot moments of just character dynamics and we're setting up the geography as well. Um, the entire building in like the first scene we go there is in like we know from the get-go what this entire building's layout like is like um we know what the lobby is like because the camera and bruce willis spends so much time there just getting to the elevator um and i think there's there's plenty of other films that have tried to replicate the stuck in a building stuck in the train whatever type of movie um mm-hmm. and skyscraper recently that film with the rock um that film. Yeah, that film. I didn't hate it, but at the same time, it was definitely that thing where I was watching it thinking, this is just an attempt at Die Hard that doesn't understand why Die Hard is so good. Um, it's kind of just the general premise and a likeable character and some pretty alright action bits. Um, but Die Hard has this... It, builds like it builds so well um and it has a slow paced like kind of intimate but kind of depressing kind of opening where it's this guy who's not used to this this uh this place and everyone's alien to him essentially and he's just kind of 
getting through it and all the while the camera is doing so much work to like let us know what's happening um and then Mm -hmm. it just bursts out into this really perfect kind of again like building of tension to a point where i still think to this day that i always can't wait to watch it on christmas because of this one moment um that the moment where um everyone in the hospital like the hostages are on the roof and john McLean, who is like not wearing a shirt he's like not wearing shoes or socks he's got blood all over him and he's got like a machine gun he goes up there and he's like where's where's my wife <laughs> and then he gets there and like at the same it's like three different things happening where okay hans gruber's stolen his wife he has no idea where she is everyone's on a roof which is about to get blown up and on top of this we've got police people on helicopters coming across who think because John McLean looks like a terrorist that he's probably a terrorist, so they're going to shoot him. So you got... It's such an amazing thing, and the score by... I can't remember, but, I can't remember his name, but the score is so good, and it, it builds so well in the scene. And there's this amazing kind of just three different plot lines and three different setups get paid off all at once, and it's... Mm-hmm beautiful and it's and John McLean like has to get everyone off the roof by shooting up uh, he has to get everyone off the roof by shooting up into the air which of course leads everyone else to believe that he's a terrorist therefore they're going to shoot him so it's kind of like he did a good thing he solved one plot line but now the second one's going to come down on him now <laughs> and then he just barely escapes and at the same time the entire roof blows up and he has to jump off the roof um, that's just perfect that's like writer's dream of making a moment that good in a film <laughs> like their entire lives um and yeah it, it's just a beautiful film i just it might i hope it doesn't get because it's obviously it's kind of in the pop culture discourse quite a lot and i think people that haven't maybe watched it at least in a long time or whatever might think it's probably just an all right film that people in the 80s are really nostalgic for and i hope that people realise and people that maybe think that kind of actually watch a film again or maybe for the first time and realise, oh, this is an actual classic, <laughs> not just a nostalgic 80s film that was like... Oh, yeah, it's genuinely a, a brilliant film. Yeah. It's also on my list for today. Oh, right. <laughs> well, we're still on, so... I <laughs> uh, know, yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on there. I was, yeah, I was... Uh, the guy that the, the scores, Michael Kamen, I've checked it. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because his score is also kind of amazing. And um, I think in the fourth film, which is like 20 years later, I think, um, the I don't hate uh, the fourth film. I do hate the fifth film. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the fourth film, they played that, the main theme by uh, Cayman um, every once in mm-hmm. a while. And every time they play it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really love that theme a lot. Um, but And I do mm-hmm. think the sequels are... Uh, I think the second one is pretty good. I think it's kind of the first one, but not as good again. It's like that. It's the it's the thing of like the first film, but bigger. Um, mm, the first one, but in an airport. Yeah, in planes. Yeah. Uh, the third one, however, is also genuinely a great. Like John McTiernan came back again to direct to direct the third film, and mm-hmm. that is again like a near perfect action film. I would say. Yeah, it's a fantastic one. I'd say it's probably the best Die Hard sequel. Yeah. Have you seen the fourth and fifth ones? I saw the fifth one in cinema. Did you? Oh. Um, I haven't seen it since. <laughs> um, and I, I have seen the fourth one. The fourth one's the one with um, the weird Kevin Smith cameo. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
He's in that one scene where he's playing like a nerd in his basement and he's... Mm-hmm. It's just like the typical... What is it? Is it Naughty's Die Hard 4? Yeah. Yeah. Die Hard... Let me just check. Die Hard... 2007? 4.0 or Live Free or Die Hard or whatever the other <laughs> name is. Yeah. Live Free or Die Hard. It's one of those. It had so many titles. <laughs> 2007. Oh, okay. So it was just before um, Bruce Willis gave up. Yeah, that the end of his career and beginning of his strict DVD career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a weird career yeah. that man's had. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I vaguely remember that. I also see, I remember the um, the car into the helicopter. Yeah. I, I think the fourth film is uh, fine. It's just like... Yeah, it's fine. It's just like a, you know, it, you're a diehard movie. I shouldn't be having a fine experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it it's also suffers from the fact that it's 2007. It's like, let's do cyber-terrorism. Oh, my God. The film, yeah, the film is just the most... Hackers, yeah. yeah. It's the amount of scenes where everyone's on like a computer going, I'm hacking to the mainframe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what is, let, me, let, me, let me just do this. Click, 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 click. Oh, it's done. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think there's a... It's actually a pretty great moment, I think, uh, where they're on screen, like, pretend that the White House got blown up, and then people mm. in actually that were in Washington realise, like, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I find that kind of interesting, but other than that, it's just John McLean going, you know, I don't know shit about computers, but I know one thing. You crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So it's mm-hmm. for two hours and um, yeah, it's it's not that bad. But the first one Ooh. and the third one especially, uh, but the first one especially actually, I mean, um, are generally like amazing. Uh, mm. But yeah, I think the third one, um, the third one benefits a lot from like actually not being in one building. Yeah, um, the third but one. It's like it's like it's in several places, but they use the fact it's in several places really well. Mm, yeah, with the whole Simon Says thing. Yeah, the the third film was like the entirety of New York, essentially. Um, mm. and yeah, it's a weird thing because it's like a buddy cop movie for the first time in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Samuel L. Jackson is incredible throughout that entire film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Did some doing some of his best comedy work, I think, as well as yeah, a lot of good serious stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, I think his name is like I think his name is Zeus. Um, Zeus, yes. Yeah, which is a great name for a character. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. It's also one of the first like major films he did. Yeah, it was like it was like around the time with Jurassic Park, and that was before he was famous as well. So mm. yeah. it, yeah, it's it's really weird to me. This this he's like a super famous actor who's like seems one of the more experienced ones now, mm-hmm. but he didn't really like make it that big until the nineties. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's um, it's weird that now the joke is that like, he's in every he's like in every film. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so back then it was weird that he was in Jurassic Park but at that point no one knew who he was <laughs> and like little did they know yeah he's going to be in every film <laughs> yeah yeah but that's my pick yeah um, so yeah um, shall I move on to another one of mine yeah yeah I have a, I have a strong suspicion this one's on your list as well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for Mission Impossible Fallout uh, yes, it is on my list. It is. <laughs> I thought it might be. We've, we've sort of vaguely talked about this before. What a film. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I've said it before, but it's one of them that... Um, I think I saw it on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of went in thinking, oh, it's, it's, it's Mission Impossible. It'll be fine. It'll be an enjoyable film. Mm. Nice event. And by the end of it, I sort of left thinking, my God. <laughs> that was genuinely... That was God-tier action film right there. Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. And, and it is. It's... I think something that you've said before is that Ethan Hunt is a whole other beast when it comes to action protagonists and just protagonists in general. Yeah, yeah. There is sort of that subsect of action heroes that you have where, you know, you think of them, you think of, I don't know, you think of John McClane, you think of um, perhaps the biggest comparison being James Bond. Mm-hmm. And you just think, yeah, he, he rightly, Ethan Hunt rightly deserves to be on that list, not just because it's Tom Cruise going absolutely mad, <laughs> yeah. doing variously dangerous things, but also generally because they're good films with good characters. In them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and the way that this film uses the whole of its cast mm-hmm. is brilliant. Like you have, you have like the team. You have uh, Tom Cruise. You have Alec Baldwin. Even <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. one just came into my mind. Yeah, you have uh, Simon Pegg. Um, I can't remember. Is Ving Ving Rhames? Yeah, Ving Rhames. He's great. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. You have. This all this group of supporting characters who all have a sort of reason to be there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they all have stuff to do because the way I just remember it is when you have that final sort of scene, you have Ethan Hunt obviously hanging off that side of a helicopter. Of course, you have Ving Rhames doing his tech stuff. <laughs> yeah, all being involved. And then you have Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson in the. It's some sort of hut, I think, or something like that. Yeah, like a Having a fight with the main villain. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an example of they're all being active. They're all... None of them just sort of sat there behind the computer. They're all equally as important to this. Um, and it feeds into the idea of... of just... Mm-hmm. Ethan Hunt's a guy that, no matter what, is going to do the right thing. Yeah. And he's just so determined that there, to him, there is no other way. <laughs> yeah. just failure or letting one person die just isn't an option. Yeah, everybody's coming home, kind of thing. Tom Cruise and Ian Hunter, this one person at this point. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, if I was to sort of just sum up Ethan Hunt in one, in one word, especially during this film, I think this film epitomises it. Um, most, but he is the human embodiment of determination. <laughs> he really is, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's in one section. Is this is is it in Fallout where he falls off his bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just keeps on going. Yeah, he just keeps on going. Yeah, and it's just oh my god, yeah. He, just, he gets hit off the bike and then he just lands near the camera and then just in slow motion kind of gets up and then just runs to something. <laughs> it's just like an mm. it's this amazing moment. Um, and I think there's. I think across the entire franchise, but especially Fallout, there's so many great moments where um, Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise have this really fun uh, kind of in-between the action moments where he like will get beaten down by someone and then look up to the big guys that he's got to like hit again. And you have like a moment where like, can I just have a break for like a two seconds before I get back into this? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think in the bathroom fight in Fallout is a specifically, a specifically great moment where um he gets hit down and like thrown across the room 
and then he like gets him to his knees to try and get back up and he looks up at the guy and he just looks back down and just kind of like has him more like just breathing out <laughs> he's just like oh okay we're doing this now <laughs> and yeah i think it's weird because yeah i think this i don't yeah i think i think this is at this moment in time my favorite action film like of all time maybe mm-hmm. um i think it's just so oddly perfect um and not even it's time it's like a weird thing where it's not just a great action film it also manages to be like a really like visually stunning film anyway um it sounds amazing look uh, lauren balf score is and it's one of the best scores i've ever heard in my life <laughs> um, it's incredible honestly it's god dear. it really is um and the, I think Rob Hardy is the guy who did the cinematography and it's one of the best looking films I've ever seen, like as a, in that genre especially. I've never seen a film mm-hmm. has just like a weird kind of artsy, kind of moody um, and just odd lighting style that really, really works um, throughout the entire film. And then there's like so many other... I love how complicated the plot is, but not really. Um, I think... If I was going to say one issue out of the film, I think that opening scene where the the mission briefing like tells you the entire story, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the few moments, and literally it happens at the beginning, and then then from then on, there's, I have no issues whatsoever. Um, there's like this one scene where they get, you get told the entire story, essentially what's going to happen, and then from then out, it's just I don't want to say non-stop because people say that, and I think that's just a weird way of seeing how films are meant to be made. Like having a non-stop film is, means that you don't get a lot of time to like think about anything or feel anything. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I would say it's propulsive and it just, again, like Die Hard, it kind of builds and builds and builds and it has so much comedy and so much like witty things and so much darkness as well. And I love the fact that the villain, um, even though I think I still do prefer Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third one, um, I still think the villain in this one, Solomon Lane, is perfect. And I think... Oh, yeah, definitely. I think him going from... In the fifth movie, he was very good in the fifth movie, but I like him in this movie a bit more because he kind of... He's, he's not just doing something and Ethan Hunt's in the way. He's doing something, getting distracted by how much he hates Ethan Hunt. <laughs> so, so, like, yeah, he wants to destroy the world and whatever, new world order and stuff. But at the same time, he'll be like, Henry Cavill... You gotta stop Henry Cavill because I need I need to piss off Ethan Hunt a bit more. <laughs> it's just I love how much he's just laser focused on just destroying Ethan Hunt's life and how the film is literally called Fallout and he says something like the fallout of all your good intentions and, and this is the entire film. It's that is, that is a chilling line. Also, yeah. it's helped by the fact that his voice is just ah so good. He, he, one of the best villain. I think this is a weird thing to say, but one of the best villain sounds. Yeah, I know what you mean. It has that... He committed to that voice. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just think... Uh, again, there's a practical element where, of course, so much of it is done for real, and that helps quite a bit. But also, I think it's... Also on top of that, I think it's the fact that it's directed so precisely. Um, and I think you get a lot of directors at the end of franchise, because this, this franchise is wrapping up with the next two films that are, like, connected, like, if it were Endgame type things. Um, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of franchises you do get near the end they bring on the director who is um, a good director and kind of one they can trust and they keep on bringing him back to ensure that the 
the last movies won't be like some sort of massive travesty of like a new director that came in and didn't understand what he was doing. Um, which makes sense. Like Harry Potter did it with David Yates and Marvel did it with the Russo brothers. Like they, they mm-hmm. kept on going with them for the last few movies. And I think the best example for me of that type of director who's came, out, came in at the end to make sure the franchise doesn't just kind of explode into nothingness <laughs> um, is uh, Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie who did the fifth one, uh, Fallout, and then the next two that are coming out, which is going to wrap it up. Um, his direction and his writing is so like precise and so um, it's perfectly like in tune with that idea that Tom Cruise loves, which is that action movies are essentially these musicals, but you know people hate each other instead of dancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and his directing is perfectly in tune with that. It's direct like it's direct like a musical, like the same way Tom Cruise is going down the street with, on a on a motorbike is the same way someone would shoot uh, a really long elaborate dance sequence in a La La Land, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so perfect. I think he's... And I didn't notice until I watched some uh, some video on behind the scenes where Christopher McQuarrie... Um, it's the same thing on the fifth movie as well, as well as Fallout. Uh, the entire movie was rewriting the script as he went along. <laughs> like, the entire thing. Not just, like, little scenes and little dialogue moments. Like, the entire plot structure. Um, and so they were, they were shooting, you know, Tom Cruise on a helicopter, dropping off it and him climbing a cliff, a cliff face and him jumping out of the hel- um, an airplane at the same time as Chris McQuarrie in the corner just writing, so what happens next? <laughs> and I think it's and I think it's one of those things where Tom Cruise and Chris McQuarrie I think are like a powerhouse team and they will go down in history as one of the best director and uh, actor uh, combinations like, a, like Robert De Niro and Scorsese or anything like mm. that. Like I think it's they are perfectly in tune with each other and there's something about the fact that Tom Cruise or Lake Hunt is a man who is essentially making up as he goes along and is so determined and he will pull it off even though it makes no sense that he pulled it off to ha- like how did he pull it off um, and I think Christopher McQuarrie as a director and a writer is like that as well I think he's very much a director who is making choices that kind of are based off We'll, we'll make it, you know, like, we'll, <laughs> somehow we'll, we'll do this thing um, every step of the way and they're just perfectly in tune and Mission Impossible Fallout is like their crowning jewel at, at the moment. It might get beaten by the next movie, I really hope it does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good chance, I think. Yeah, it could be and I think ah, this film is just beautiful I think it might be my favourite axe film of all time at this present moment. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> I, think it's one of the, I think it's one of the best modern ones. Definitely, definitely. I think if you're talking 21st century, yeah, not a lot is going to top it. Yeah, especially like 2010s. I mean, it's on the conversation definitely. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something else. Left me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say I was thinking about this the other day. In the, I think that the Mission Impossible franchise is. The only sort of one constant that's been throughout is Tom Cruise. And it's it's so weird to me. Mm-hmm. The first film was directed by Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, but I think if, if you're talking about the success of Mission... I was about to say Mission Fallout. <laughs> of Mission Impossible. Um, I know some people hate him. Some people love him. Mm-hmm. I'd like to point out J.J. Abrams' role in this. Yeah. And I think some people sort of, there's, there's the idea that he's good at sort of saving franchises, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let's say rebooting. 
Yeah, re- rebooting, that's probably a good, yeah, good example. And that he... I think... Obviously, his name's sort of more associated with Star Wars and Star Trek now. Mm-hmm. But I think he sort of helped nudge Mission Impossible in the direction that it's currently heading in. Yeah. Like, I feel like that there, there's been... There's been a lot since he did it. Yeah. However, him taking the initial steps has allowed Christopher McQuarrie and um, Tom Cruise to take us to the place we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so it's the first, his film is the J.J. Abrams' first uh, Mission Impossible film. It's sort of the first one that sets us on that road of Ethan Hunt's uh, <laughs> got an emotional story here. Yeah. Um, and. In a way, it's J.J. Abrams is best in terms of, I'm just going to set you on this path and I'm going to leave you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the stuff he's done is in that vein. And I would say a lot of people sort of, maybe, maybe even credit the revival of Mission Impossible to him, but I would say that you've got to give a lot more credit to Christopher McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has, he's been the one to sort of, it's all well and good saying that the franchise was on this direction, but he was the one who actually had to get it over the line. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not by no means an easy job. <laughs> yeah, he also um, uh, rewrote a lot of the fourth Mission Impossible film um, mm. whilst it was in production. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with that J.J. Abrams. And his company, um, I think Bad Robot, I think it's what it's called, mm-hmm. they're still like, are the main producing factor in these movies. Yeah. Um, same, and I mean, I think he's an, an amazing producer, especially J.J. Abrams. Um, I love his, most of his films, definitely, but I'm really excited about, maybe it's a bit off topic, actually, but um, him producing the new Superman movie, potentially. Because um, mm-hmm. I just think he can, he has that thing where he knows what, pe- what people want, and I think he can, he has a good way of making sure people get what they want, but also interweaving within that kind of a different director's interpretation of it um so i think that's kind of a perfect way of putting the Miss impossible series where the second film by john wheel wasn't particularly well loved <laughs> it's very much uh it's very much a weird film that i don't like <laughs> but the third movie by jj abrams is very much kind of okay we're finally going to give ethan hunt an actual character and a backstory and an arc in some way and we're going to set the standard for what the genre is of... It's, these are going to be movies that are connected loosely by big stunt events and big sequences of car chases or motorbike chases done by a real stunt team. Um, mm. And we'll figure out the plot as we go along. <laughs> um, and I think... And then the fourth film kind of took that and Christopher Corrick came on and did that again. And I would say probably even better than the third film. But And then in the fifth one, Christopher Corrick actually doing the entire thing it's kind of over the course of five films is kind of being boiled down to its bare essentials of just being perfectly formulated action movies. Um, and the sixth movie fallout is just the fallout of all good attentions. <laughs> it's just the best, you know, it's just, yeah, it's what the series has been going towards. And I'm so happy that it got there and did it so well. <laughs> um, 100%. And how, why haven't we even seen the next two big epic wrap-ups of the series <laughs> that i think that's insane as well by the way that there's going to be two movies that are back-to-back shot that are the actual like wrap-up of the entire series the same way we expect from like, like a harry potter franchise or something like that the fact that mr possible is getting an actual 
conclusion and not just like another film that came out and then never again it's going to be an actual mm-hmm. conclusion I, I'm so I'm so happy with that <laughs> I'm so happy with that um, but yeah mm-hmm. real success story to be happy about <laughs> yeah, yeah do you want to move on? we can do if we want to go on the wall okay um, so my next one it's probably a very popular one might be on your list too <laughs> uh, Mad Max Fury Road oh interesting okay it's on your list um, I hadn't. I hadn't put it on there. Ooh. Um, I, yeah, this film was a, it also has like kind of a nostalgic memory for me where I saw it with like uh, a friend at the cinema, James. Um, and it was one of those things where the entire way through, I was loving it. I loved that movie so much in the first time I watched it as well. Um, but the entire way through, because I was watching it with someone who I don't think knew what he was walking into, maybe, potentially. Um, I was constantly worried that he wasn't enjoying it because it was just so weird. Um, and then when it, the film finished and we kind of left and he was like, that was the best. <laughs> I was so happy. Um, and it really, I think it, again, it really is the best. And I think it's, it's one of those things that we said earlier about, it's not just a film that had action kind of stapled into it. Um, mm-hmm. the entire movie is, I love this joke that everyone kind of makes, but the entire movie is essentially... A character is driving a car and she turns left and then the plot starts because of that. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So the entire film is based on just people making physical actions that have consequences the entire way through. Um, so it's one of those films as well, and it's very rare that we get this, but um, it's not really a film that had a script, really. It was more just storyboarded out the entire way through. Um, and every shot was kind of done as previously like uh, uh drawn um mm-hmm. so it means that it's one of those very rare cases where it's an action film where the character rocks and the character backstory is all told entire entirely visually and physically um mm-hmm. so like you get action, action, action sequences where people don't even talk to each other but you understand that people are growing together as a team uh, just through pure filmmaking talent of George Miller, <laughs> um, it's like I mean that particular this particular particular chase that I love. Um, where all these more like people are like chasing after uh, Furiosa and the group of people there at Mad Max, um, and like it's like a split moment and it keeps on happening every once in a while where you keep on seeing Furiosa and Max at first time like working perfectly in tandem with each other. Um, and after so many scenes of, not even so many, it's like a few scenes of them just not getting along and kind of being apprehensive towards each other, it's amazing that without a single word of dialogue, you completely understand that these characters are like in sync now and they are going to be friends forever now, I guess, because they live in this hellscape and, you know, if someone's going to have your back, that's like something worth, you know, keeping around. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it has that weird thing where it's a film with like a really weird, complicated premise, and there's a, there's a society, like it's a, there's a hierarchy. There's different factions that we don't really understand. There's different weird characters. There's there's kind of like different different uh, kinds of people as well. And the film never once kind of sits down and says, "This is what this is." It does, however, throughout the entire movie, just kind of show you it, show you it, and kind of link it together visually. Where you kind of go, oh, so that symbol is that person's symbol. Therefore, that symbol being scorned onto her back of her neck means that she's property of him, and that means he must be escaping from him. 
and you get that from not even getting tall that once. Um, mm-hmm. It's and throughout the film, it's doing films, it's doing things like that the entire way through. Um, it's just this is a great moment. I think James, especially who I saw for the first time, really loved it because it was so random, but you kind of definitely understood it, even though you didn't get tall what it was. Um, when they're in that like the marshlands and like there's they can barely drive because the 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 road is so wet and there's so much mud. Um, and in the foreground, uh, you just see someone like on stilts on all like they're like they're like on stilts on their legs and their arms, uh, and they're kind of walking around. And at first, you're like, is that like a a pterodactyl? <laughs> is it like a creature? Um, and you don't really understand what it is at first, but it totally makes sense. Like it's a character who lives there, who is living in the marshlands, and they can't really walk on them, but therefore they're all on stilts. Um, so it does make sense. It's just weird and random and never explained to you. And therefore it's all the more fascinating and like just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the film is incredible. Do you love this film? <laughs> I think it's just, when I think about it, it is the definition of the word vision. <laughs> yeah. It's like one person's, I want to make this so desperately let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just such a... It's, it just ex, obviously exists in action film, but it exists as just something... something otherworldly about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's whether it be just the constant sort of orange hue that it has. <laughs> yeah. That's really sort of saturated look. Yeah. Um, the practical effects that are done. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's bonkers. It's, I actually think it's a very acquired taste. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, it's it's not a film you can sit down and think, oh, I'm just going to chill and have have a good time. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's one that has an intensity. You have to be in a certain mood to watch. Definitely. Oh, definitely, yeah. You can't just put it on in a Sunday evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you are, <laughs> it's, in, it's an incredible spectacle of a film. And the way it's sort of... Like you said, there's no there's very little dialogue. It's all just visually... It's a constant sort of big chase sequence. Mm-hmm. But the way that it sort of builds up conflicts and personal relations, it's it's up there. In terms of what it achieves with the style of it, mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. And even to have um, Mad Max in there, who has this sort of a little subtle jing, like at the start he has like a flash of a of people that he couldn't save or something like that. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. Yeah. That's it. That's his character set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's good how... He's not really the protagonist. Not really. He's kind of a... Uh, I always say this, but I think it's a perfect example of like a Jack Sparrow type of character who doesn't mm. really have an arc or growth, but, or even a backstory, really. He just kind of exists there to make sure the other characters are doing things that are making them grow. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. Also, one of, the, one of the... That's in sort of how it feels. It feels a bit like, you know, on like a... If you have a TV show that has like a Monster of the Week format, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like Mad Max is the series protagonist. <laughs> but then you have Furiosa, who's like the episode's main character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like normally they encounter someone that's part of the like central to the story, and that feels like that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a brilliance of physical visual spectacle yeah and one that's just so 
it's so enticing in the way the world's built mm-hmm. because it's so bonkers. You have all these weird things. You have daughters and basically just sort of surrogate mothers and all this sort of weird, 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 weird stuff. <laughs> you know, sort of really pale people living in caves, taking mm-hmm. blood transfusions, and it's weird, but there's just something interesting about it that draws you in. Yeah. And it's one that, even though there are are several films prior to this, technically, it's just a film that no other film managed to have that enticing world. That that world that's quite as... quite as... just bold. Yeah. I I generally think that a good kind of... um... Uh, parallel movie that is somewhat similar uh, in terms of like visual storytelling and not really explaining much is honestly mm. the first Star Wars. Um, mm. It's not in the same kind of you know not people aren't as weird and like there's no slave thing going on really <laughs> or anything like that. But Star Wars is kind of like a the first film doesn't really explain anything. Like you see, you mm. see the Death Star for the first time in the at that point in time never seen what Death Star is, don't even know what the name is of Death Star, it's just like a planet that maybe might not be a planet people are inside a planet I think and you don't really get explained what it is but you see it for two frames and you go the fuck is that? <laughs> and that's the entire first Star Wars movie, you know the cantina scene is just weird things inside of a cantina and we won't be explaining them but they are there um, and the same thing about Max where it rushes past all these interesting elements and but at the same time, roots it within a character who's experiencing it, and therefore you can see it through mm-hmm. their eyes. Um, and another thing that I I really really love about the film, I I I just can't ex- <laughs> emphasize enough how much I think it's a, a genius movie. That I think more action films should be doing really is um, the idea of like eye tracing, um, because I think it's some sort of video that I saw about it, and I was like. That is so. I didn't even realize that on the first re- on the first watch through, um, that the film is like whenever a shot ends, whatever the the main point of interest is, your, your eyes in the middle of the screen, for example, the mm-hmm. next shot will start from the middle of the screen. The the main soldier will be in the middle of the screen and then move to like the left, and then the next shot, the main soldier will be on the left side, the left side of the screen, and then it will move from there. Um, meaning you're never like confused like what you're meant to be looking at it's kind of all very clear that middle of the screen, middle of the screen character move to left screen, next shot is mm. left, left screen um, and I keep on talking about Michael Bay too many times maybe but comparing <laughs> that to Michael Bay action is really like you know like night and day sort of thing Of one is uh, a scene of a million cars in a desert and there's a tornado and there's this entire faction that are fighting each other and you've got Mad Max there and all these crazy things are happening but you never feel lost um, and then compare that to even just, you know, even the forest battles is probably a highlight of the Transformers series where you can actually understand what's going on um, mm-hmm. you can't there's still that element of like where am I really looking at and why are there so many shots of just I think metal, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And I, why, like, and, like, what is happening for sure? I, I mean, and I certainly did, like, a guilty, a guilty pleasure post on our Instagram recently, and I kind of enjoyed that on a different level. And I do think there's joy to be found there, but at the same time, I think it's a lot more, 
accessible if you just make a film where what you're meant to be looking at is clearly tall the entire way through. Um, mm-hmm. And Mad Max has that throughout the entire thing. Even like non-action scenes is purely just eye tracing and just making sure that your eyes always where it's meant to be. Um, so like, I think a really good example that I heard someone say was something like, if your mind's not doing the work to understand what, you, what you're meant to be looking at, then you can just fall into the experience way more. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like this subconscious conscious thing, like this battle that you always have with watching something or experiencing anything is kind of, you don't want to be thinking about it, but at the same time, you do want to be thinking about it. <laughs> so having having to not put in that much thought into how or what is happening and instead just feeling it happening because you're not putting pieces together in your head, but the film's doing it for you is, mm-hmm. I think it's like probably one of the highlights of that film. And I really, again, it's it's up there with Mr. Possible Fallout and, well, we'll get to it, but <laughs> different different films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's mine. <laughs> I don't know where to take it from there. <laughs> How do you follow Mad Max Fury Road? <sighs> it's really hard. <laughs> um, let's go, well, both mine are sort of sci-fi hybrids. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of gonna go with for this one. I'm gonna go with aliens. Ooh, okay, yeah. It's up there for me again. It's something that I won't spend ages on because it, I've talked about it at length in several <laughs> episodes, and people are probably fed up of hearing me talk about it. <laughs> but you have um, just a film which excellently builds and both transforms compared to the original. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it takes it as a foundation and then loads of this other action, balls-to-the-wall kind of thing is thrown on top of it and it just works brilliantly. Um, yeah, um, the action sequences... Like you have the claustrophobic sense in the first film. You have that claustrophobic sense here. It's a slightly bigger facility, but it makes for really compelling action sequences where... People are fighting, but you know they're losing. <laughs> yeah. I just love that fact that they're constantly on the back foot in an action film. Mm-hmm. Like you said uh, at the start, it's sort of a case of, and this happens, and this happens. Constant obstacles which are changing the field of play sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very much a good example of there are constantly things happening to them which set them back and are changing how this is going to go from a simple let's just check if these colonists are all right to blow it up (laughs) yeah i never want to see it ever again um it's just one hell of an adventure with also a really compelling sort of emotional through line with ripley and the idea of having a family and what she's lost and what she's trying to get back Mm -hmm. And it's it's a brilliant character just for the sake of the fact that she's very she's just a, a brilliant action hero. Yeah. Yeah, I totally um, agree. So many iconic scenes from it. The the one perhaps I always come to when I think of this is the scene it didn't even actually involve Ripley. But the scene we've talked about obstacles, the scene where they all go into the power plant and they take the guns off them and they get absolutely mauled by the aliens. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally half the squad gone. Mm-hmm. By, the, by the end of that sequence, you only have the main ones left. Yeah. Um, and there are so many more in the film, but 
it's a film that manages to be an action film while also being a horror like the first film and a sci-fi film. Yeah. It's never overcome by either of those two things. Like it's one you can class as a as a as a action film. Yeah. I always think it's kind of the miracle of that film isn't bad <laughs> as a sequel because when you think about it, like you think of the idea of imagine Alien just came out and you hear the sequel's called Aliens. <laughs> um <laughs> and on top of that, it's gonna be an action film. Um it's gonna be just more more aliens than the first one and it's gonna be bigger and more action heavy and it's directed by the guy that made Piranha 2. Um so it's kind of, I think if I heard that, like if that came out right, if Alien came out two years ago and we were gonna have the next one come out next year, I would be like, yeah. I'm I am not looking forward to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the fact that it's not only like a great sequel but like potentially better than the first one for a lot of people, um, is a kind of a miracle and I think it's all down to J.S. Cameron's director really who <laughs> um, mm-hmm. again people often say like it's, it's the action take on the Alien franchise and it definitely is for the most part I just think it's it's smart that they didn't just do that right out of the gate it's still very much mm-hmm. a slow thriller horror piece for the first like hour and a bit maybe um, and then even when they do uh, go out into full action it's not just more aliens and more humans it's just more like <laughs> humans who have to fight more aliens meaning that they probably die more because if you can kill if you kill one alien you probably get uh, acid on you and then you die anyway so it's not even like sure more humans with more guns but that doesn't really mean anything when the very thing that you're trying to defeat can just kill you by dying <laughs> um, yeah it's yeah i totally agree it's a it's a great sequel and a great film, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, again, we've talked about it before, the, the, the James Cameron aspect of you're going big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've mentioned before how it's very difficult to follow a James Cameron film because often the stakes are just too high to match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is definitely a case of that. It's just, it's gone big. Yeah, I mean, I do kind of have a soft spot for the third film, the Alien cubed <laughs> um, mm. but it yeah it's kind of like oh we're going back to the first film but not as good really mm-hmm. and then the fourth film i think tried i've only seen the fourth film once and they're trying i think it's trying to do the second film again but bigger maybe and then it was just kind of sure but we've already done this but better <laughs> um mm-hmm. and then pre i like some of the the aspects of prometheus and i do really want to see Alien Covenant. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's an interesting one. Yeah. That's the best way I can probably describe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you got another one to move on to? Um, yeah, I've only got, I think I've only got, yeah, I've only got one left. Um, so, and for the longest time, I would say this probably was my favorite action film of all time until Mission mm. Possible Fallout. But, it's still, it's, you know, has has wit for whatever you want to call it. It's just, I adore this film probably too much. Um, the Matrix. Ah, mm. um, oh, yes. The Matrix is my personality in a film. <laughs> um, but, yeah, <laughs> I love this film a lot. Um, it's, I would go as far as say it's probably like a perfect film um, in so many ways. Uh, it's the first act I still think is one similar to uh, 
the other film we oh Die Hard uh, it has one of the best first acts of any film ever any sort of blockbuster action film mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like it's not really an, an action film for the first 20 to 30 minutes it's more just a weirdly incredibly well directed but weirdly kind of 1990s version of a, of a noir film um, where you've got a character who is not really you know connected to humanity and kind of just spend a lot of time programming and he's kind of looking for a deeper answer to the idea of like what where am I what am I doing um and you know it's one of those films where people wake up to the telephone ringing and there's like a there's like a Dutch angle of him answering the phone and it's raining there's <laughs> thunder and lightning and there's deep shadows and really cool silhouettes and um and even before that you know the one kind of um action kind of bit we do get in the first 10 minutes is it's very much still mystery because it's not just, you know, a character explains to you what they are and then they do the thing that they said they're going to do. It's just a character, Trinity, just out of nowhere, just runs across the wall, can <laughs> jump across entire streets and then she can land, you know, she can crash through a window and land down a flight of stairs and get up straight after it. And then from this, he goes to a telephone box, calls someone gets crushed by a truck and then for some reason the body isn't there it's such an incredible opening for just making the audience want to know more um because like the matrix the matrix itself is a very fascinating concept and it's being talked to death at this point but like going into that film in 1999 having no idea what's about even if you didn't care about the film that you're going to watch you just went there because you were tired and you wanted to go see for two hours <laughs> um you know you didn't really care about what the film was about from that very opening scene you're like what the fuck's going on you just want to know um and you got you got those asian people there that the agents uh that are just kind of they look like like, they're kind of robotic but at the same time are they the villains because surely trinity was kind of not very she killed people (laughs) um she killed as many people in the opening um but like and then you go from that to this entire kind of mystery premise and then from that you get one of the best reveals ever really with like humans are being inside of the the matrix program and it's actually the year 2199 maybe we don't actually know um Mm -hmm. and robots are taking over and your entire life's lie because you were born to be like a battery essentially um and there's only a few people people are actually awake um it's one of the best and most horrifically like amazing like twists i guess um i mean again a similar thing to Mad max and stuff like that where it's all told through action and visual kind of perspective where we don't just get told i mean literally morpheus says the line you know you you can't just be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself um Mm -hmm. which is a perfect like kind of screenwriter kind of looking at you and going yeah it's probably better we just show you (laughs) um sort of thing uh but yeah and then from that you get this amazing like hero's journey sort of thing with Neil and him learning Kung Fu and it's so well shot. I can't, and if I, like, Bill Popper's the DP and him working with the Wachati sisters is incredible. Um, I'm so sad in some ways that like, he's not coming back for the fourth film. Um, mm-hmm. Even though Wachowski, I think Lana Wachowski is the one that's directing it, um, is coming back. Um Bill Pope's actually doing a, a Shang-Chi, Lesson of Ten Rings. Is he? Yeah, which is really interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> so we might get Matrix-level fight scenes in that film. Which <laughs> um, would be really great. Um, but, yeah, you go from that to... 
it's just a weird thing. Similar to Hot Fuzz, where you got that genre flip almost, where it goes mm-hmm. from noir to hero's journey, sci-fi kind of weird thing. And then in the third act, once again, you go into full-on 90s action movie, um, like anime action movie as well, because it's so perfectly rendered and just beautiful to look at the entire way through. And God, I, love, I also love the film how it spends an entire like, hour and a half setting up, setting up rules and then in the last like, half an hour, it just pays them off at the same time as breaking them um, in really satisfying ways. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, fight an agent, you got to run away. And then having that moment where Neo doesn't run away and he just kind of looks back to the agent, he's like, we're, we're going to fight for a bit. We're going to see how this goes. Um, and said, Morpheus says like, something like, he's, he's beginning to believe. Like, yeah, he is, he is believing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the, I think it's just one of those films that, it's weird because I shouldn't really be nostalgic for it because I watched it for the first time when I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I wouldn't say that is just prime time for nostalgia, <laughs> really. But I still, to this day, I have this weird thing where this film's always been in my life, even though I only saw it when I was 15 years old. It's just that, I guess, important to my understanding of what makes a good film. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, God damn it, it's a good film. Dudes, guys. <laughs> what do you think about it? Oh, I don't even know where to begin. Like, sometimes they have a film and say, well, what, what do you think of it? I just, where, where, do I, where do I start? Where do I go? Keanu Reeves. It's just, I'm trying to think of something really profound to add. Hmm. It's, it's, it's just beyond my reach. But it's, it's, a, it's a sci-fi film that, the fact that it spawned so many imitators... Hmm. To be able to, it takes on the sort of the prophecy aspect, which can be done well, cannot be done well. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's a mixed bag, but it takes it on in such a brilliant and bold way that you just can't help but love it. It's the aspect of familiarity in this, again, bonkers world. It's not quite as weird as maybe Mad Max's world is. Yeah. You know, the idea of machines taking over is a little bit more familiar to us than whatever the hell is going on in Mad Max. <laughs> but you still you have the anchor point of this story that we know, similar to like your hero's journey in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You have this story that we, we that we're familiar with and we know we know sort of the the score and you have what you might call sort of a stripped back protagonist maybe. Yeah. You know they're not as not as Many layers as other other films, other mm-hmm. without the sci-fi setting, but he nonetheless a compelling focal point. Like, I I think Keanu Reeves in this is brilliant. Yeah, and I'm still yet to see the sequels. Oh really? Okay. But it's just such a a special film. <laughs> yeah, um... and it's one that deservingly so one needs to be remembered as the classic that it is. It's similar to the way that you were talking about Die Hard earlier. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, there's the idea that, oh, people just like it because it's nostalgic. Yeah. And I feel like there is starting to be a similar attitude towards The Matrix. Yeah. Which is completely unjust because you look at it and you look at what came after and what came before. It's revolutionary. It's nothing short of revolutionary. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's... I think especially when you think about, I didn't even know this until recently, um, when like the trailers came out in 1999, people were laughing at the trailer because it looks so dumb. Because, 
I mean, you would show the trailer and it'd be like Keanu Reeves, an action star that hasn't been an action film in like 10 years. Um, is starring as a character who says lines like, whoa. Um, and he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a black trench coat and sunglasses at, at night. And he's wearing, he's got two guns and shooting him in slow motion. And you think like, I could, yeah, I, I probably would laugh. I, I wouldn't lie. I probably would laugh. See, in Night Night Nine, uh, Keanu Reeves being the guy known for Bill and Ted and he's doing black leather trench coat action film with two guns and, you know, jumping around. And then, you know, people, people therefore you could probably you probably said people going to that film were against the film from the get-go <laughs> it's kind of the same as like us seeing the trailer for you know remember when the trailer for aladdin came out the reboot there uh, mm-hmm. and we all kind of like roll our eyes and all that blue will smith <laughs> and everyone kind of went into it wanting to hate it um it's like that, but imagine that Aladdin was like one of the best songs ever made. <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. If people went in and want, wanted to either dislike it or weren't really thinking that much of it, and then came out thinking, like, telling everyone to go and see it right now. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's like kind of a perfect example of that's how good your film is. Like, that's when you know it's good. Like, there was no, there was no pre-hype, no expectation to have anything happen with the film. Um, and then people go see it on a whim, and then come out being like, "This is gonna be this is gonna be the aesthetic of our next two years, I guess." <laughs> We're gonna have movies about chosen ones. People are gonna wear black leather, slow motion. We'll have all that for the next two years because of this one film. Um, like that's when you know you've done something really good. <laughs> um, and I can't. I really can't wait for the the fourth film. I really can't. Um, it's annoying that it's. I think actually, uh, it might have got brought like brought up in, t- in the time schedule. Maybe I don't remember actually. Um, but yeah, that's oh, God. It's a per- it's a perfect film. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Matrix. Yeah, it's just the. There name. are no other adjectives other than it's the Matrix. Yeah, I hope like that's what should be on on like, IMDb and stuff like that. The description should be, it's just the Matrix. Yeah. You, you know what it is? It's the Matrix. I hope when mm-hmm. I I hope when I die, right? I hope the grave says Henry Murray brackets. He was a fan of the Matrix. And <laughs> <laughs> um, put in put in like double bracket and say even the sequels. Yeah, even the sequels, even the terrible fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you remember that one? Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember one? Yeah, I can do my final one. Okay. It's my final one, another sci-fi one. It's Terminator 2. Ooh, yeah. Um, again, this is sort of similar to... I talked about before when, we, when I rewatched The Dark Knight. It was a case of... Yeah, everybody, everybody talks about The Dark Knight and they, they say it's legendary. I, I haven't watched it in a while. I'll just stick it on. Mm-hmm. And then coming out of it and thinking, oh my God, I'd forgotten how good that was. Yeah. I'm like that every time I rewatch Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> and I know how good it is. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of one of the other things on, the, on a side note. It's really weird to me that they're revealed in the trailer the the idea that the, the switch in Terminator. Yeah, I think that's one of the weirdest things I've ever known about a movie after the movie came out. <laughs> because every now and then, just fun, I, I, I try to imagine that I'm going into the film not knowing which one's which, mm-hmm. and that hallway scene would be incredible. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. If he went in not knowing anything about the liquid Terminator, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and you, you strolled down that hallway towards towards John uh, Kid John Connor, and he pulls out his shotgun. All of a sudden, he shoots the police officer who's left liquid. What? <laughs> Imagine the the revelation that would be. Yeah. Even without that context, it's still a brilliant scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. I the way it just Stone Cold strolling towards him with the rose box, whips out the shotgun, mm-hmm. bang. It's one of the most perfect, like, tense building up to a certain, just one little moment of action. Um, mm. And I think it's incredible as well, like, that, that film. When you, think, when you think about, like, the close, like, combat, like, the hand-to-hand combat in that film, it's mostly mm. just T, T-800 versus T-1000, and all they do is kind of, kind of push and pull each other in opposite directions. Like, literally, like, push each other into a wall, and then push each other to the other wall, then someone will fall on the ground, and then you'll catch up later on. And it's amazing that you know. And I totally agree that it's one of the best films, best action films ever made. And I think it's down to the fact that the moments leading up to those moments are so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the entire and like the slow motion and like the the roses on the floor and the shotgun coming out and get down like that line is so good. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's a perfect. It's again a perfect film. <laughs> yeah, it in the end. Again, it has that emotional core to it. You know, you look for mm. it, it's there. The the thumb, the f- thumbs up going down into the lava. Mm-hmm. Still a little bit emotionally destructive. <laughs> Still can't cope with it a little bit. It's, um, <laughs> as well, it doesn't help that um, Toy Story 3 now involves lava. Mm, yeah. You know, that that connection will never be unmade in my head. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just one of those films that, like The Matrix, it's terminated too. <laughs> I mean, I spoke earlier about the the truck flip, and the other one I was going to mention is the helicopter going under the bridge. Yeah, that's amazing. Still is. <laughs> it's incredible. I can't believe it. The first time I heard about the story. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> the... Well, it's just it's just the helicopter pilot and James Cameron because nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> I don't blame anyone for doing that. <laughs> I know it's just the. That whole chase with the, the armoured truck and the helicopter is, oh, <laughs> brilliant. I brilliant. I love the fact that James Cameron is just like a, his accent works for the most part so well because it's so like blunt and kind of just matter of fact. Um, mm-hmm. There's not many, I mean, you couldn't at the time, but you couldn't really do many CGI cameras and CGI spaces doing weird, impossible things or any like fast cutting or anything like that. But I, I love the fact that that helicopter stunt isn't like a close up of the T one thousand like about to do something and then he's like oh maybe and it's like a lot of cl- like a lot of close ups doing the in between it's literally like this one shot of like a helicopter in the middle of a chase just goes under the bridge and it comes out the other side and it kind of like all right <laughs> anyway just moving on I guess <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's one that I keep coming back to. Mm. and is perhaps unparalleled in its influence, not only on other pop culture, but on its own franchise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. As it has led to... It's the James Cameron syndrome of... It's led to its own destruction. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> um, also, I'd like to point out that I... This is sort of, sort of random, sort of not. I would like to say that uh, I've, I've sort of slammed the sequels there, but I would say that the funniest moment in any Terminator film comes in Dark Fate. <laughs> Which moment? 
that conversation about the drapes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is one of the best instances of comedy I think I've seen in a in an action film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go see it. Yeah, it's Not, a it's the best Terminator three maybe. Yeah, oh, I mean, I mean that scene, not the whole film. If you don't want, if you don't want to see the film, don't see it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that sort of that brings me to the end of my list. And there is something else I wanted to do, mm. if you don't mind. No, no, sorry. Basically, because I asked people what their favourite action films were. Hmm. Okay. And should we have a look at some of the responses? Yeah. Yeah. Let me find it. Here we go. I've, I've, I've lost it. Where is it? There we go. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. What on it? Right, okay. So, I'm not going to mention people, mm-hmm. because people probably don't want, might not want their uh, names mentioning. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a Highlander, got to mention. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. My dad hates them. Hates? Oh, okay. Sorry to the person that, that mentioned <laughs> Highlander. <laughs> it's been with Sean Connery, isn't it? Yeah, I think I so. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's not a fan. Oh. Um, speed. Oh, I do love Speed. Yeah. Not the drug, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we've got one, Robocop. Oh, yeah. I, I assume you mean the original. I mean, yeah. I don't see it, the sequel, at least the reboot, pop many places, but you know, if it is the sequel, fair play. I don't love the first Robocop. That much, I kind of just. You know, I I think it's I think it's good. I just don't think it's one of the best in the genre. I don't know why. I just don't connect with it at all. Really, <laughs> I think the best thing about it is the score. I love the score. Yeah, that is yeah, the good score. It's sort of kind of Ghostbustersy. Yeah, yeah. I guess. But it's it's its own thing, and it, 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 it's it's a brilliant score. <laughs> um, another one we have the Raid and Die Hard. Mm, the yeah. Have you seen the Raid? Yeah, I've seen the Raid, and I think it's. That's just top tier throughout the entire thing. is incredible. <laughs> I think I've only ever seen clips of, well, just clips of people fighting in hallways. Yeah, it sounds like I'm being insulting. I'm not. <laughs> the, the, the fight scenes were incredible. Yeah, it's just like a building of like reversals on top of reversals where people are just doing like these weird things and like people respond to it in really smart, interesting ways that you can't really. You, you have to be in muscle art, muscle arts to actually know how they're thinking of these things to do in between fights. Um, yeah, it's incredible for all the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, I've, I've never heard of this film before, but Last Man Standing. Um, it's a Bruce Willis film. Bruce Willis? In the oh. 90s, I think. I don't know, actually. I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. Yeah. I'm, sure I'm sure it's a good film. I've never seen it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aliens, got to mention. Yeah, boy. Um, Sicario. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The the convoy scene for me was seen. Yeah, that's again like a perfect thing where the director's really the star there. It's like we've seen mm-hmm. plenty of convoy scenes where things went things have went wrong, but Dennis Villa Villeneuve, I wanna say that's how you spell it. <laughs> but we'll roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> the way he shoots that scene is so oddly tense. Considering nothing's happening for so long, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, got Mission Impossible Four out there in the mention. Yes, the best one, maybe. And we have we have quite a few mentions from one person. 
they uh, as as a, as a message me to say they are a big fan of the the action genre. Mm-hmm. So thank you for giving us all these. This is a great list. <laughs> we have so going from the, the more recent ones, the transporter. Oh yeah, I I kind of enjoy that one. Um, Fearless with Jet Li, Unleashed, mm. uh, Flashpoint, uh, Donnie Yen. Mm, yeah. Police Story Two. I haven't seen that Jackie one. Chan film. I saw that mentioned recently. Really want to see it. <laughs> uh, the Crow, which is a very popular film, I know. It's very nineties. <laughs> oh, uh, Blade. Blades again, very nineties, but the best nineties. <laughs> one of the greatest one-liners in the history of cinema. Some motherfuckers are all trying to skate uphill. <laughs> Absolutely, that's one of the greatest. One of the greatest ever ever said. It really is. How he kept a straight face with that. Ah, Unbelievable. I don't know, man. Mm. That feels like a case of the writers just said, let's just put this in and see if he actually says it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like in the edit, we were like, oh, it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> they actually went for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Passenger 57. I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard of that either. Um, Money Train. I think I've heard of it, but I, don't, I haven't seen it. Uh, the Raid 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that film has pretty good sequels. Yeah, the, the second one is I. I think I won't say it's better. I think it's a little bit not as good, but at the same time, it's still like amazing. Anyway, <laughs> it has like quite mm-hmm. a complicated and over the top, not over the top, but kind of a complicated and a plot that gets in the way of the actual action sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, it is otherwise pretty much perfect. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Never seen it, oddly. Neither have I. I, I feel like I should have done. Yeah, it's one of those it's things. It's been on that many times. Yeah. I don't know how I've missed it. It's on TV all the time. <laughs> um, Broken Arrow. John Woo film, maybe? I know the name, but I can't place the, the film. Yeah. Um, Boycott Undisputed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, think can't I, was... say, I can't say I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, True Lies. I like True Lies. True Lies is perfect. <laughs> it's just so fun. It's Arnie yeah. being Arnie. Whenever it's on TV, it's I start watching it, like, and I think, oh, I'll go to bed now. And I don't go to bed. <laughs> Ever. Same. stay up all the time. <laughs> uh, it's one of them that's just so out there that it just works. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, also, I, I, one of the aspects I love about this film is the fact that you have this great big six foot five Austrian man <laughs> just working for the FBI. Yeah, and you've got a family and they're all like, yeah, it's an office dad. <laughs> also, who, who actually thought that he was working in an office? <sighs> Apparently his wife. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Robocop again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminator 2, Speed. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat. Never seen it. Never wanted Never to, Never really. seen it. I hear things about it. I hear nostalgic things about it, mostly. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. That's, probably, that's probably a good way of putting it. The Equalizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of enjoy Apparently it. that's great. My dad likes that one. To balance up out his comments on Highlander. <laughs> My dad likes that one. <laughs> uh, John Wick 2. Yes. We haven't mentioned John Wick. Oh, yeah, we didn't. We've mentioned Keanu, we haven't mentioned John Wick. John Wick is also, you know, I think I prefer the third one, maybe, but it's all amazing stuff all around, really. Definitely. 
I think I edged the third one mainly because of how just crazy it is. Yeah, it goes for it, really. Man on a horse with a katana. Yeah, and there's, like, so many, like, different societies now. <laughs> it's crazy. How, how it's just, it starts off as, like, a criminal underworld thing, and now we have, this is this is just a world. Yeah, it's great. There's <laughs> so many things. Um, Hard Target. I had no name, but don't know what it is. Same. Yeah. And finally, IP Man 4. Yeah, IP Man. <laughs> Is it Ip Man or is it IP? Ip, I think. Is it Ip? Yeah. Ip. All these years I thought it was IP Man. <laughs> I don't know why. Intellectual property man. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. god, what's this embarrass myself? The story of the guy who trained Bruce Lee, but it's an action franchise, weirdly. Um, but people seem to love them a lot. And I think I've seen the first one. I love the first one. But I haven't gone back to the other ones. Mm-hmm. Is it Donnie Yen? Yeah, Donnie Yen, yeah. And that's the list of the, the followers' cool. answers. Well, thank you very much for sending them in, because we like having friends. <laughs> yes, thank you a lot. Really <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. So, are we wrapping up? I think so. Do you want to take us home? Okay. Uh, so, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, give us a like or whatever you can, like a review or anything like that. Uh, constructive, feed- uh, constructive feedback would be nice uh, but yeah we do have an Instagram account where we do daily reviews and weekly podcasts are coming out on Monday uh, at, some, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast on Instagram and at Cinema Marvelous on Twitter we same thing on both platforms just doing daily reviews and weekly podcasts on Monday uh, but other than that I hope you enjoy this one and we'll see you soon I guess so goodbye. Yeah, we will. goodbye thank you bye